From Gimlet, this is Reply All. I'm PJ Vote. Okay, so uh, this week's episode has significantly worse language than usual. And not only bad language, there's bad behavior, there's bad judgment, there's very bad decisions. And it all starts with this picture. A guy named Grady told me about it. Um, can you describe the photo to me? Um, it definitely looks like a shot on film. It definitely looks like a teenager's bedroom, maybe like a college kid's dorm room. Uh, in the center of the frame, there is like a, an unmade twin bed and there is a dude sitting on it and he's got like baggy jeans and black skateboard shoes. The dude looks like a pudgy metalhead. He's got long hair, goatee, glasses. He's clutching a Miller Lite. He's on the left side of the bed. On the right, all the way on the right, are these two really clean-cut girls. One of them's wearing a gap jacket. Like, they might as well be in a completely different room in the house because they're not looking at him at all, and he's has just kind of like a keep-it-together, uh, <laughs> don't-know-what-to-do, but just, like, keep-it-together kind of look on his face. I first saw the picture a couple years ago, and at the time, I didn't see what made it special. It looked ordinary. A picture you'd look at once and then immediately forget. You'd move on. Except, of course, that's not what happens when people look at this picture. It's not what happened to Grady. It is not at all what happened to me. But we'll get to that. The photo first showed up on the internet in 2006 on a message board for music nerds called ILX. Somebody'd stumbled across it randomly, and they posted it just because they thought it was really funny. A picture of an awkward silence. But there's something else in this photo. The boy in the photo looks so lonely, so out of place. If there was an entire nation dedicated to teenage longing, they'd put his face on the $100 bill. This user named Roxy was the first one to post it, and she included a caption that I think sort of hints at this. So not gonna happen. So not gonna happen. Meaning? Meaning this poor guy is (laughs) with these two women (laughs) and maybe expects that it is a date or will have some kind of romantic outcome. But as observers of the photo, we can see that that's (laughs) unlikely. I don't know. It's pretty mean, I guess. Within minutes of this thing being posted, kids on ILX are tripping over each other to make jokes. Just picture pages and pages of black text on a white background. Everybody's trying to outdo each other. And lots of people are just imagining the dialogue between the boy and the girls on the bed. Um, You know, look, just sell us the weed so we could leave. (laughs) Another one... uh, Don't let my skin condition fool you, ladies. Um, But pretty quickly, they start to wonder, like, really wonder, what's going on in this picture? Someone's saying, like, what are they doing on his bed? How did this boy end up here with these girls? And then someone says, like, what if the bedroom's one of the girls' bedrooms? And then, like, Roxy posts, like, first of all, no one brings a purse into their own room. Um, It's, like, pretty obvious it's not a girl's room. There's a lot of theorizing, but it all comes down to basically one question. Who is this guy? And of course, there's no way to know. This is 2006. Facebook's barely a thing. There's no reverse image search. If you want to stalk somebody online, it's actually really hard. So it's surprising over the next few hours how much these ILX message board kids are actually able to figure out just by looking really closely at the photo. Here's another guy from the board, John. One of the details that someone seized upon was the window AC unit. And that there was like duct tape and said, you know, well, 
this probably isn't a dorm room, but it probably isn't mom's house because she would have central AC. It's probably someone's college apartment. They're able to carbon date the photo by using Photoshop to zoom in on a stray stack of DVD boxes piled on the dresser. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This summer, click into cordless power with Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. And keep your flower beds fresh with the 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Then clear debris with the 40-volt jet fan leaf blower. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at your cordless power source, The Home Depot. How doers get more done. There was a copy of... um Anchorman or Old School or something like that. And it's like, oh, okay, this isn't the 90s because those movies came out in the early aughts. And then they pin down the boy's location. He's wearing a Hooters t-shirt, but the t-shirt says Hooters King of Prussia. It's a suburb of Philly. I actually grew up 15 minutes away from there, famous for the mall. Anyway, they've got his location. And so now they're like paleontologists beholding the entire fossil of some new dinosaur. And like paleontologists... They name their find. We all called um, that guy Wayne. Why Wayne? I think he just looked like a Wayne. (laughs) Which, I don't know. Like, I think at some point someone started calling him Bill, and they're like, no, he's not a Bill, he's a Wayne. Over the course of that first evening, they overanalyze every possible detail around Wayne. The angle of Wayne's hand on his knee, the allegedly fake coach purse on the floor— The textbook with a paper bag cover, a weirdly controversial smudge that turns out to be a speaker wire, until finally, it's like there's nothing left to zoom in on. And it's then, at 9 p.m., that Roxy, the person who first posted the photo and started the madness, she shows up and she tells them, I've cracked it. Roxy has found where the picture originally came from. It's somebody's personal webpage, and on that webpage, not only is there the actual original picture— there are tons of other photos taken from the same night that the boy in the photo picture was taken. Uh, I, I just, I remember gasping. Like, I remember my jaw dropping and, like, gasping. That was just, like, the best shocking plot twist. So as the message board zooms out and sees the entire party that happened around Wayne, their feelings about Wayne start to change. They're seeing all these pictures that Wayne isn't in. And what they're seeing in those pictures is that all these other kids... Some of the people on the message board call them jocks. Some of them call them rednecks. Whatever they are, they're all the same, and Wayne's different. Like, Wayne didn't look like he was friends with these people. I think there was, like, another photograph of him. Like, Wayne was holding two cans of beer, and someone called him the two-beer queer in, like, the caption. And it was like, was that, like, an affectionate nickname for him? Or was, like, this guy really, like, the guy who just, like like hung out with them and like he really was like kicked around all the time like was he friends with these guys somebody else on the board sums it up much more concisely his friends seem like cunts so up until this point everything the message board has done is actually by today's standards almost normal like they're just early adopters of a kind of judgy stalking that 10 years later is gonna be pretty commonplace 
up until this point. First of all, the investigation, which at this point, remember, is only a few hours old, it ramps up. So picture a cop show. The same way on cop shows, they always map out the criminal organization. They're trying to do this with just like a random group of teenagers. Center of the bulletin board is the boy in the photo, that picture of him sitting on the bed. They want to draw a map of everybody who knows that kid and everybody that those people know. And so the message board starts with this guy named Ryan. Ryan Deal. Ryan Deal. Ryan is a soldier who deployed to Iraq. The party was actually his party. The website they found with all the photos also belonged to him. That really opened it up. They find this picture of Ryan where he's got a six-pack and he's jumping off a diving board. The important thing about Ryan is he's popular. These are not people that I would be friends with. So when they go to his MySpace, they can get all this other information about all these other people at the party. There's this guy Tansy, there's this guy Turnbull, and they've all got MySpaces. And so they can look at all these guys' pictures just building their dossiers. They can see their messages to one another. They get the names of the two girls on the bed, Megan and Laurel. And another person brags about calling Laurel's mom to get more information about her daughter. But as invasive as they're willing to get, as far as they're willing to go, they never actually get closer to the person they really wanted to know about, to the boy sitting on the bed. They learn just one more thing about him. They find it in some throwaway comment under a photo. Someone referred to him as that shade ball, Tommy Loftus. Tommy Loftus. The boy in the photo has a name. Which means that this boy, who somehow accidentally, somehow personified all of human longing for one moment at some house party, he actually exists. But that is the one and only thing that they can find out about him. The thread doesn't die, though. For the next nine years, the message board keeps an eye on all of Tommy's friends. Through Facebook, through Google searches, they watch everybody grow up. High school couples split, people get pregnant, people go bald, some people move away. The board watches as all these things happen to all these minor characters, but Tommy, it's like he walked out of that party and disappeared. Grady says they never stopped looking for scraps of him. Even if just it was like, you know, one of his friends that had like uh, more loose um, privacy restrictions on their Facebook, like had posted a picture of, like, 2013 Tommy Loftus. That would have been, like, a big, big day on ILX. That would have been, like, huge, you know? But he really did kind of, like, fade out. Until January 2015, when the other side makes contact. Somebody signs up for ILX with the username Wayne's Crew 610 Wayne's Crew 610 writes a message. Message says, basically... Hello. The whole time you were watching us, we were watching you. We knew about the thread, and so did Tommy. R.I.P. Wayne. So everyone starts freaking out. Like, someone says, holy shit. And someone says, hi, Wayne's crew 610. And someone says, wow. And someone posts two exclamation points. And then I'm the first one to say, wait a minute, R.I.P. Wayne? Wayne's crew 610 posts a photo. It's a new picture of Wayne. It's like the first new picture of Wayne that we've seen like in years and years and years. And it's him at the beach. The photo looks like it's taken on one of those last beach days you steal from early September. Wayne's wearing sunglasses and a backwards baseball hat. He looks happy. He's smiling at whoever's taking the photo. And above it, um, it says 1231.85 to 03.12.14. 
And there's a quote from FDR. To reach a port, we must set sail. Um, sail, not tie at an anchor. Sail, not drift. And then at the bottom it says, Tommy Loftus, forever in our hearts. Delco's finest. It's a memorial photo. And along with it, Wayne's Crew 610 posts these screenshots from a long group message thread between all the guys that the board had been stalking for all these years. And they're saying, hey, remember that thread about us and Wayne? And that's when the people on the board realize how real all of this is. A lot of people offer their condolences. And then he says, you guys are right. Loftus was a great dude and us, his friends, are a bunch of cunts. He was the kind of dude that would do anything for anyone and love to make people laugh, often at his own expense. He was obsessed with this thread and would call us up when there was a rather amusing comment or a picture left on here. We're sure he was just happy to be a source of entertainment for so many people. He was talented and caring, and we're all lucky to call ourselves his friend. And how? what did you think of that? That was like... I might have I might have even like started tearing up when I read that. Um it was like kind of the best possible thing that you know. I mean after finding out that he had died, this guy that we had kind of you know unnecessarily obsessed over like but like that post that was like probably the best thing that you could that you could hear that um we were right that this guy was a little bit different from his friends, but his friends loved him. Were you ever able to find out how he died? No. Did you wonder about that? Yeah. I mean, because he's obviously pretty young. No, he was, uh, what, 29? So I heard about this story. I thought it was interesting. And I've been working on it for a few weeks when a new producer started at Reply All, Shruti Pinamanini. This was back in February 2015. And I sent her the thread, and she was like, hey, have you really looked at this memorial photo? So it's like a picture of a dude, like a, a really, like dude, capital D. He's like, what, what do you call that, like, hand position he's making with his hands? He's like, yeah. And he has, like, sunglasses and a backwards baseball hat. Basically, it was way too spring break to be a real memorial image of someone. Shruti said, it's just, it's got to be fake. Ergo, he didn't really die. Ergo, his friends made this up. Ergo, this was a hoax. We'd found a death hoax. Like, this was exciting. And so I emailed a bunch of Tommy's friends. I just said, I wanted to talk to them about Tommy and what had happened to him. One of them, Tansy, he writes me back and he just says, Tommy's dead. That's not enough for you? I felt so bad. And I would have stopped. Maybe. But Shruti was like, no, 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 no. He's trying to get in your head. He's messing with you. Because she's been doing research and she can't find an obituary. More importantly, she's convinced Tim, our executive producer, he is now fully a Tommy truther. And Tim has a plan. He's like, well, we know that their friend Bill Winans is a bartender at this pub in Upper Darby called Collie's. Why don't we just drive down to Pennsylvania? We can stay at your mom's house. We'll just like go to the bar and... Ask him about this in person. So we go. Okay. So we leave from New York, we cross the line in New Jersey, we cross the line in Pennsylvania. 
Tim was in a great mood. He was really excited. All right, I'm, 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 I'm taking a picture. <laughs> but I just kept thinking, what if we're wrong and he is dead? Like, what a bad thing to get wrong. I feel so uncomfortable. Oh. I just, ugh. Tell me where we are. We're, we're actually in the suburb that I grew up in. We're five minutes away from the pub where Bill Winans works. My stomach just feels like a rock tumbler. Okay, so now we're driving um, through this what? This is Route 3. This is the road. The road. It's Westchester Pike. We're going to... It's going to be right here on the left. It looks very, very Pennsylvania. Yeah, this is every street that I go Sharky's Wrangler. There's the something lube. Family wash day. Eagle National Bank. Busty's, Busty's Tavern. Tavern. not it, but we're going to pass it. Chris's Pizza. Collie's Irish Pub and Restaurant. Collie's was the first floor of a brick building. Nondescript Irish pub with a neon three-leaf clover in the window. I wanted to vomit. There's a biker gang. There's not a biker gang. Is there a biker gang? There's not a biker <laughs> gang. Oh, man. I'm, like, stopping at an intersection out of anxiety. Every, like, my body's like, you could go back. <laughs> okay. So, I'm um, turning this off. We'd promised Ruthie that no matter what happened in the bar, we'd tell her first. And so the next day, we called her. Hello. Hey. Um, hold on, I'm going to bring hey. Tim in, okay? Hello, Sruti. Hey. I, <laughs> I've been distracted all day. I'm like, um, yeah, I feel like my brain is totally in, in Upper Derby. Okay, so... I'm trying to think where to even start. Okay, so we drove we drove down from New York to Upper Darby, and we went straight to Collie's. We we walked in at seven, and the hostess asked us. She was like, "You can sit wherever you want." And like, I started to walk towards the table, and Tim was like, "PJ," and I was like, um, "Oh, actually, you know, we were we were just here to. Is Bill working tonight?" PJ, he's not expecting me, but I've been, I'm a journalist, I've been trying to And she was like, okay. And so she walked into the back, and then we were sitting there, and I was just like staring at Tim because I was scared to look anywhere else. And then uh, Bill came out of the kitchen. Oh my God. Hey, PJ. Bill. Yeah. Uh, what? <laughs> and he was like, hey. How can I help you? And I said, hi, um, my name's PJ Vote. I'm a technology journalist. And I'm working on this story um, about Tommy Loftus. And is there any way we could talk about it? And he was just like, yeah, yeah, we can talk about it. Can you come back in a couple hours? Oh, no. Um, so we were like, okay. So we went and ate something. And we came back at 825. And we get uh -huh. there. And... He, he, he like, he's like, give me just a minute. And then he comes out of the kitchen and he's like, I called, I called like a bunch of the other guys who are like involved in all this. Um, yeah. They're just over at the other end of the bar. So, oh my God, they were all there? They were all there. I mean, not all of them, but <laughs> many of them were there. Like there were a lot of faces that I recognized. 
I feel like I know exactly what's going on. Yeah. Were you scared at all? Were you like, they're going to beat the shit out of me now? We, we, there were, it, it went up and down, but definitely like the thought that we were just going to get our asses kicked was yeah. near the front of my head. So we get over there into the corner and there's a table. So everybody's just kind of smoking and watching the hockey game that's above the table. And four guys, you could totally recognize them from the website. Um, they're more like extras in the photos, but we knew their names at this point. There's John Tanzi, Bill Winans. There's a, a guy who he, he like really didn't want us to use his name, um, but we'll, we'll call him Rupert. And did one of them admit to being Wayne's Crew 610 on they're the thread? They're all Wayne's Crew 610. They share the login. Oh. And they're, everybody's just kind of hanging around, and it's very awkward. And But then, like, it, it, it kind of, like, the first engagements come in these sort of defensive, like... What the hell is going on? Yeah, absolutely. Same here. <laughs> and we're explaining, like, mm-hmm. listen, we're not from the message board. And, mm-hmm. and then, like, this guy, John, who is actually one of the first people who told PJ to fuck off um, over email, he buys me another beer and then he gets which I was like oh I don't want to be drinking and uh but it was sweet you know it was like nice he bought me a beer did he buy you a beer bought me a whiskey bought PJ whiskey and then he comes with our drinks plus five shots of whiskey and we all we all have a round of whiskey this is like right in the first five minutes right so I was a little like oh fuck we are in for a long night but but also good, right? Because, like, they're going to talk. But wait, I mean, go, go like, a few steps back. Like, first of all, like, I have so many questions. I mean, Tommy, is he alive? When we walked in, I was completely convinced he was alive. And then we started talking to them and, like, the realness of everything kind of set in. Like... Oh, shit. Okay. They didn't even talk about Tommy for the first... That Tommy was the elephant in the room for half an hour yeah and and finally they said they'd talk about it but we couldn't record so bill was like he'd been quiet for a really long time and then he was just like i don't understand what it is about that picture he's like you know who has not had the party where your parents go away for the weekend to the shore and there's like you get to use the house and there's like one room and mm-hmm. where everyone's drinking and there's one room where everybody's smoking and like a guy's upstairs on a bed with some girls like I don't understand why these people were so fascinated. And he's even like a little pissed while he's saying it. He's not like, I don't understand. He's like, what's the big deal about that fucking picture? It's like, what, like, who hasn't seen a picture like that? Yeah, like, what are you gawking at? I mean, what did you guys say when he said that? R- Rupert was like, well, it's iconic. Like, it's not that it's weird. It's that it's like a thing that everyone's experienced. So it feels like rich and you like put yourself into it. They said like, those guys made all these predictions about us. Rupert said, like, they, you know, they predicted that I was going to go to jail. I just got out of jail. Oh, shit. Um, and they and they were like, and they predicted Deal was going to be the guy who got out of here and, like, Deal got out of here and all this stuff. And then I think that, like, that's when we started talking about it, right? Yeah. So they said Tommy, they said Tommy was the kind of guy, like, you know, we'd be at a party and he'd like chug a whole bottle of maple syrup to like make people laugh. And they said like their version of him that he was like a loser was totally wrong. Like the reason he had that haircut was 
like a bet. Like it was like a bet to see who, him and this other kid, like who could grow their hair the longest. Like he was like a goofball, but like he was a goofball mm-hmm. where like the joke was not on him. Uh-huh. Um, and then finally Tim said like, do you mind if I ask like what happened? Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, uh, Rupert. Yeah. Rupert's not looking at, he's looking up at the hockey game and he's smoking a cigarette and he's mm-hmm. speaking like in a very slow, heavy manner. He says like, yeah, like Tommy got into bad stuff. He basically, he was like, look, I don't want to get too much into it, but he had substance abuse issues and his dad died and things got worse after that. And he said he found out that Tommy had died while he was in jail. And he was like, that was not a call that I enjoyed getting. Oh, shit. I was like, I feel like I know him after researching the hell out of him. Obviously, like, I don't. But suddenly the whole thing feels so much more intrusive and disrespectful and, like, wrong. But So he, he, he dies. What the hell makes him think of posting to the message board? Like, I think they said that they had, they'd gone back a while after... And just been surprised that it was still there. And they thought, like, because they had, in the end, gotten a kick out of the message board, it was like, we should tell these people, like, how this story ended, basically. Like, we should tell these people about the person that they were always so curious about. It's like the one place he kind of had celebrity, almost. Yeah. So then, like, yeah, we went home. We woke up today, and we felt like... Just like the frustration of feeling like we thought we were going to know more than we did. Like we thought we were going to get closer to this person, whether he was alive or he was dead. And so we just decided like we went to the cemetery, like his family plot. Uh Ritter, Pickard, Zucato, K.O., Lindgren, Engel. Uh He's not buried there. So where is he buried? I don't think he's buried at all. What? Shut the fuck up. I think they're completely lying to us. No. Can I tell you some things that, in retrospect, do not Oh my God, I can't believe you did this to me. (laughs) I feel like you just pranked (laughs) me, man. You've got All the somber tones and all this. Oh my God, I feel totally, like, let on. Coming up after the break... To reach a port, we must set sail. It should be right here. Like right here. Evans, Riley. Riley. Loftus. Oh, yeah, there's straight up nothing. Boy in photo is not in ground. Boy walks among us, is my theory. This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Accenture overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddle boards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! We told Shruti the story of what happened when we went to the bar to meet Tommy's friends. But there was another version of that story. And that version started the exact same way, with us walking into the bar and talking to the hostess. PJ, he's not expecting me, but I've been, I'm a journalist, I've been trying to. But the moment Bill came out of the kitchen, we started seeing these clues that pointed to another version of what might have happened to Tommy. All right, tell me, what, what are the clues? Okay, so first of all, when we first got to the bar and we talked to Bill, and we asked him, I said, da, 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 I, I was like stammering and, and whatever. And then I said, Tommy Loftus. And he looked to his left and he looked to his right. And then he smirked at us. And then he said, yeah, I can talk to you at 830. And that smirk was. It, it was quick. It was a quick little thing that like, it's like there and gone like a summer day. And like when we came back to the bar, he was totally withdrawn and like somber faced and whatever. Yeah. And then, fucking mastermind Tim Howard, at the end of the night, Tim goes, I was like, the in-memoriam card had had a quote on it that I didn't recognize, and like, to set sail, you have you can't tie anchor, whatever, and Rupert is like, oh yeah, yeah FDR. Yeah, he says, oh yeah, yeah, FDR why that, I'd never heard that quote. Why that quote? And he goes, Tommy was a staunch Republican. Huh? Yeah. What? Huh and what is exactly right. Because we're both a little drunk, but we both immediately are like, FDR was not a staunch Republican. <laughs> and yeah, when we asked, at one point somehow we asked, when did he die? And it was like a lot of dates got said very quickly and none of them were right. Tim was like, was it a couple of years ago? And someone sort of half agreed with him. And then somebody else was like, uh, 13 months ago. And then somebody said, yeah, last May. The card says March. March 2014. No one forgets when their friend died last year, particularly off by a season. So we got off the phone with Ruthie. And then, just to be 100% sure that we had this right, there's one other thing we realized we could check. 
The guys at the bar had said that before Tommy died, he used to work at this local painting company. And it turns out that company had a very robust YouTube presence. And so we got on my mom's computer and we watched this recruitment video that they'd published after the date that Tommy had supposedly died. Somebody who's nice and friendly. It really wants to satisfy customers. In fact, my saying is hire nice and train painting. We have a full curriculum from customer service to prepping and painting. All the people that work for Nolan Painting are employees full time. That's him. That's That's him. You clearly see Tommy. That's awesome. That's him. That's totally him. Tommy was alive. I couldn't wait to talk to him. I had so many questions. Like, who are you? What do you think about this whole ridiculous thing? Are you anything like that kid in the photo? My mom, meanwhile, was watching me and Tim go crazy about a painting YouTube video in her living room. And she was like, wait, if he doesn't want to talk to you, why are you trying to talk to him? And everybody in my family felt this way, including my dad, who almost never agrees with my mom about anything. And so they got in my head. I went back to New York and just like for three months, all I wanted to do was avoid the story. I'd just suggest other stories that we could do. And Tim and Truthy would be like, what's going on with the boy in the photo? And finally, they won. And me and Truthy went back to Philly. Taking a right here. 14, oh God, I'm so obvious. It's here, I think. 33, that's it. When we first started researching him, we turned up a lot of possible addresses for Thomas Loftus. But there was one right around the corner from the painting company. That seemed like it had to be his home. Let's just, um... I can pull up here. Yeah. It was a three-story Victorian on a quiet street. Shruti went and checked out the neighborhood while I went to the house. I sat in the car for a while just staring at it. Hey. My name is PJ Vogt. Hey, Tommy lost us. Hi, my name's Peter Vogt. Hey, Tommy. Hey, Tommy. My name's Peter Vogt. I've been trying to get in touch with you for over a year. Do you have a second to talk? Okay. In the driveway, I saw a nice sedan and a pickup truck and a little girl's bicycle tipped over on its side by the back steps. I walked up the porch to the front door. And then I saw it. Right next to the door I was knocking on, there was another door. Peering through it, I could see a mailbox for an upstairs apartment. The letters were kind of scratched off, but I thought I could make out Loftus. So Tommy lived upstairs which meant the girl's bike, the nice car. They were probably his landlords. I stepped back off the porch into the yard, and I looked up. Every window on the second floor was closed. Every blind was pulled down. I just felt this sense of foreboding. The whole time that I'd been chasing Tommy, I'd been telling myself that my story needed an ending, and it was going to be Tommy who got to tell it. But now I finally understood. Whatever had happened in Tommy's life, he didn't want to share it. He'd already told me what he wanted to say, and it was the same thing he told the message board people. Nothing. Okay. But then Truthy got back in the car. They don't live here anymore. Come on! We'd had an ending. Truthy says, listen, here's what we're going to do. 
We're gonna go around the corner. We're gonna go to the paint company. We're gonna try to catch Tommy as he gets off work. So a minute later, we're there. We're at the paint company. My heart's in my throat. We're getting out of the car. And there's these two women standing outside smoking a cigarette. And we ask them, hey, is Tommy around? And they're like, Tommy Loftus? Actually, he doesn't work here anymore. But you want his phone number? Back in the car on a random residential block, I take out my phone, punch in the number for the boy in the photo. My hands are shaking. Oh, shit. Show me a message. Hello? Hi, Tommy? Uh, yes. Hey, this is PJ Vogt. Um, I'm that reporter who's working on the story about the insane prank that you pulled on the message board. Uh, what was that? I, my name's PJ Vote. I'm a reporter. I talked to your friends a few months ago. I'm working on the story about the insane, hilarious message board prank. Oh, what for, uh, what, what, what was, I'm trying to think what the prank was. The thing where they were being dicks and then you, like, you guys said that you had died? Oh, man, what the... Oh, I can't really remember. <laughs> Wait, are you messing with me? I don't I don't really recall what, 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 what you're talking about or what's going on. Can I try to explain? I, it's, it's like... I, I don't think... It's like a funny story, not like a bad story. Do you have a sec? Uh, uh, I guess. Okay, so literally two years ago... I calmed down, and I tried to give him the shortest version of a very long story. How I'd found out about the message board, how the message board found out about him. We ended up back at the beginning, and I tried to see if I could jog his memory about the photo itself. So do you know about this picture? That, that... I have a vague memory. I think I had a picture of me with, like, two girls or something. Yes, sitting on, like, a mattress. Like, you are just a normal kid wearing jeans and a Hooters shirt. You're sitting at the edge of a bed, and then there's these two girls who look like normal girls with blonde hair sitting next to you. And okay. you're holding a beer, and they're holding beer. Do I have long hair in the picture? Yeah. Okay, that was a while ago, man. Okay. Do you remember even, like, is this high school? This has to be either high school or a year or two after high school. Got it. And yeah. do you remember, you don't remember, like, the party or wherever that was no uh, back in those days I, I went to a lot of parties so. <laughs> so tommy said all the parties kind of blurred together but as i started telling about the message board he said oh yeah i think my friends actually showed me that like they would show me the picture like oh look at this they think your name's wayne i'm like oh that's cool and I just, you know disregarded it completely did you feel anything about it no, no, I was just like, all right, whatever, you know, it's it's people on the internet, you know, messing around, you know. But you didn't, did you know that they were this obsessed? Absolutely not. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I was floored. It turned out the reason there was no trace of Tommy on the internet, it wasn't because he was hiding, it was because, get this, he didn't care about the internet. I know. And his friends... 
They hadn't faked his death as some desperate rescue attempt to save him from cyberbullying. They'd done it because they thought it was funny. They only showed him the fake memorial photo they'd cooked up afterwards. Well, they showed me that picture. I was like, what the fuck? Like, I'm like, <laughs> sorry, I, I, yeah, I, I didn't mean to curse. Oh, you can curse. <laughs> okay, all right. I was like, what, what the, you know? And I was like, Jesus, that escalated. And I guess my sense of humor is kind of like a, it's kind of dry and a dark, dry humor. So I got, I got it right away. I was like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> so it's like, because I think the only person that they could probably pass this off on would be me. I mean, I didn't care. So <laughs> I was like, whatever, man, do whatever you want. Like anybody else would have been like, what are you doing telling strangers I'm dead? And you were like, ah, oh, that's kind of funny. Yeah, exactly. I wondered why his friends hadn't at least just told him that me and Tim had visited the bar. But Tommy said actually they texted him around then. He'd just forgotten to get back to them. I still wanted to know who Tommy had been back when the photo was taken. And at this point, all I really had to go on was what his friends had said. The, the impression I had from talking to the guys... And they were also saying that you died, so I don't know if this is true or not true. But they were like, they kind of described you as like, almost like a Chris Farley type. Like, they were like, oh, he's the kind of guy, he would like drink a jug of maple syrup to make a girl laugh, basically. Yeah, that's pretty much how I was back then. Is that true? Did you drink a jug of maple syrup? Uh, it wasn't a jug. Uh, <laughs> for some odd reason, I kept doing it at parties, and then it became a thing, and then it was like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's who I kind of was, too. It's like you get the laugh, but then you kind of have a stomach ache sometimes about the laugh. You're like, I mean, not from maple syrup, but you're just like, I don't know if I want to keep getting this specific laugh. Yeah, I was that kind of guy. <laughs> but Tommy said that not long after high school, he stopped being that guy. It had a lot to do with this car accident he was in. It was a rainy day and his brakes locked up. His car slid into a bus. The doctor said if Tommy were any taller, he would have been decapitated. Did you ever think about, I don't want to say what you're, like, did you ever think about that moment? Uh, it's sort of a dumb question for me. I guess what I meant was, like, did your life feel differently afterwards? Like, did you think, like, yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the funny thing is that picture, uh, I mean, I, within the last few years, that's another thing. Like, I started trying to get back in shape and stuff like that. So I don't look like that guy at all, like, you know. I mean, I'm still the same height, obviously, but, you know, everything else about me has pretty much changed. You know, I got, I got priorities. My priorities are straight now. I mean, I got, I, I, got, I got my party in now in my 20s, is what I like to say. <laughs> Tommy says that picture, it's like a final snapshot of this person he used to be. He's cut back on his drinking. He doesn't really see the guys they hung out with in high school that much either. He's too busy trying to start his own painting company. I found myself asking Tommy questions that were like the kind of questions you'd ask an old friend you'd just run into. I think I was just so relieved that things had turned out all right for him, that he seemed like such a good dude. Even though I was a total stranger, we ended up talking on the phone for an hour. And at the end of it, I told him, by the way, I hope this isn't too weird, but I have a present for you. Yeah, uh, I got you I got you a, a, a Hooters shirt from King of Prussia. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the memento, I guess. <laughs> That's exactly what I meant it to be. Alright. Alright. Cool. I'm really glad you're alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. So am I. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, have a good one. Alright, you too, PJ.
Bye. I checked the message board one last time this week, and the thread's still going. Nobody there knows Tommy's alive. Wayne's Crew 610 actually still shows up from time to time, always promising more Wayne photos, never delivering. The board's still waiting. Reply All is hosted by me, PJ Vogt, and Alex Goldman. Our show is produced this week by Shruti Pinamanani, Fia Bennon, Chloe Persinos, Damiano Marchetti, Catherine Wells, and Chris Neary. Our executive producer is Tim Howard. We were edited by Peter Clowney, production assistance from Thane Fay. We were mixed by Rick Kwan. Special thanks this week to Sharina Ong, Emily Kennedy, Mark Slutsky, and Jorge Just. Extra special thanks to Breakmaster Cylinder, who composed original scoring for this episode, and Nancy Warren, who provided free lodging for our reporters in the field. Matt Lieber is a perfect Halloween costume. Our theme song is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder, and our ad music is by Build Buildings. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, I keep finding myself trying to come up with justifications for why it's okay to be paying attention to this, which is not something I'm used to doing. I The thing that drives you, the thing that drives me for sure is it's, these guys did a thing. That's the skatium. That's where I learned how to ice skate. Sorry. <laughs> I had my first cherry Coke there. I love that that's a moment in your life. It was the best drink I've ever had in my life. We had this crazy, it was my first practice and I was horrible at hockey, obviously. And it was just some brutal coach who was like, crossovers, backward skating, like blah, blah, blah. And he wouldn't let us drink water. And then practice ended and I had a dollar in my pocket. And I went to the soda machine and I was like, hey, cherry Coke, I'll try that. And it was like so cold and so refreshing. And like, I obviously should have been drinking water, but like, it was the best drink I've ever had in my life right there at the stadium. I can't believe it's still there. See, this town's not all pain. No, that was the end of a story of lots of, like, all that is is, like, I stopped feeling pain after a while. I also choked on a hot dog there. <laughs> <laughs> My coach's like, ah, Peter, Peter, what, you got choke on a hot dog? This guy had a fucking DUI that was in the newspaper. It's like, yeah, I choked on a hot dog. It's not a choice I made.